Okay, today's daf is daf nun zayin in kiddushin. As I record this, it's the day after Simchas Torah in the states, um, and um, two thousand twenty-three, and um, we're all still traumatized and reeling with the horrific uh, events that occurred um, in Israel, and our hearts are with our brothers and sisters there, uh, and. Uh, we go on, we learn Torah as a way of affirming our belief in God and in Torah and in life. And uh, we continue with the daf, um, and we are at the bottom of Nunvav Amud Bet. We are dealing with the Mishnah um, that lists things that are forbidden in benefit, and therefore if a man tried to marry a woman with them, um, she's not Mikudeshet because it does not have value. And uh, we're talking about the Shur Haniskal, the ox that is stoned, even if it, because it, it, it killed somebody, and even if it um, was shechted, it remains forbidden in benefit. And we're just wrapping that up. And the Gemara says, Matzkifla, um, um, it's about 10 lines from the bottom, 12 lines from the bottom. So the question is, how do we know that the Torah was um, talking about um, that it's forbidden even after it's been shechted um, rather than stoned. And the first answer was because it says bisaro, even if you turn it into basar, um, it's still forbidden. But he says, well, maybe that's if you did something that's similar to stoning, like you took a stone and you sharpened it as a knife and you used it to shet. So you could say you stoned it and that makes it forbidden. To merci it looks like stoning. lo. But if you just used a knife, maybe that actually would be permissible. To which the Gemara responds, Midi Sakin See, first of all, it doesn't say a knife in the Torah, so therefore there's no way to halachically distinguish between whether you shechted with a knife or anything else, and if one type of a shechita makes it mutter, another type of a shechita makes it mutter. Um, um, you can shecht with anything, whether with a rock or a piece of glass or a piece of a reed. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's not in the pesukim. It's the scene is totally equivalent. Okay. Now the Gemara continues. Now that it says its flesh should not be eaten, and that use of yeachel comes to forbid even hana, even benefit. Hi um, So what do you need balashernaki for? Which we said clean, clean that it gets no benefit. But now we learn it from lo yeachel. So what do you need that basuk for? Lanas um, oro. You need it to say that you can't benefit from the skin, not only not from the flesh. Don't eat the flesh. Sorrow, asrvo, or mutter. Flesh is forbidden, the skin is permissible. You make leather out of it. Why not? That would be a reasonable conclusion. Um, so, therefore, it says you know. But what about other Tanayim that use Balashernaki for something else, not to tell you about the skin, but like that if an ox scores a human, you don't pay, and it's a tom, it's only, the, it, it only it's the first time, you don't pay half, you only pay half for damages, not for if it kills somebody. Um, and Mevlados, if it, kill, if, it, if it gores a pregnant woman and she miscarries, you don't pay. So, Hanas Oraminalhu, where do you know that you are um, forbidden to get benefit from the skin. The S comes to say not only the flesh, but something that is also secondary to the flesh or connected to the flesh, which is the skin. The Edach, and the other one who learns that the idea of the skin from Lo Yechel, from Balashir Naki, 
S lo darish does not learn, does not make anything about the use of the word S. And we know there's a debate whether S is a significant thing to make a drasha based on. Kitatanya, famous bright the top of Nuntain Rav Aleph, Shimon Hamsuni v'Amile Nechemia Hamsuni Hayadarish kol Esin Shepadara. This person Shimon or Nechemia Hamsuni would interpret every S in the Torah to say what it's coming to include something else. Even Kigil S Hashem lo Kachatira should fear Hashem your God. Pirish. He, uh, he held back. He separated. So he says, I can't darshan that nothing is equivalent to the fear of God. But now, if you're saying that S is not meant to include anything in this puzzle, then it means that it's never meant to include anything. So doesn't that undermine all of the power of all of your teaching about what, you know, and all of the lessons from all uh, halachic and otherwise from S everywhere else in the Torah? Um, he said to them, The same way I received reward for explicating, I will receive reward for holding back and for not explicating. Which is a little question whether he means that he actually is retracting all of those, or is he saying, I still believe in all of those, but uh, I'm not going to, you know, force myself to interpret this for the sake of consistency if I don't think I have a good answer. You know, I will let it stand. And if that raises in the minds questions of people about everything else, let it raise them in the minds. I am committed to my intellectual integrity and honesty, and I am not going to make a drasha here that's not worthy, and I keep out the schar al-haprisha. Now, you could read it even more drastically that the schar al-haprisha is that, um, you know, is that, um, uh, um, is that, what do you call it, is that, um, I, I give up all of those drushas. I sacrifice all of those teachings. That's how far I'm willing to go. You know, I'm supposed to know I believe they're true. I don't know what the answer is, but I still believe they're true. But it could be so much that I'm not even, that I'm willing to actually give that all up, which really shows you the extent of this intellectual honesty and integrity. Um, now, um, Rabbi Akiva, until Rabbi Akiva came, Avilimated, he taught, the S is coming to include fear of or awe of, which is, can be made somewhat analogous, obviously not the same, but to that of God, they represent God's Torah. And a nice uh, drash on this or explanation of this is that it required Shimon and Sonny to be porish to show that that's how far the commitment to MS goes for until before Rabbi Akiva could say, oh, if that's what the commitment to MS and Torah goes, and there are Tamidi Chachamim out there that are worthy of saying to compare to the awe of God. Okay, now the Gemara goes on. The Egla Rufa, the calf that you broke the neck because you did not know who committed the murder. Um, Yuana, where do you know this from? It says, atone for your people Israel, so it works just like sacrifice, the same way sacrifices for bin and benefit, this has been in benefit. Tzipure Mitzorah, the birds for a leper that is coming to purify himself. It says on the inside, in the base of Mikdash, something that is machir, something that, you know, makes somebody, changes their status, and this is the korban, the asham that is brought by Mitzorah, and something that is mechaper, which is all korban. And it says outside of the base of Mitzvah, there's something that is machir that changes the status. Those are the birds of the Mitzvah. And a machaper, which is what we just said, the Egla Rufa. The same way inside, they're treated as the same. The chat, the Asham of the Mitzvah is like all other Korbanot, and it's forbidden in benefit. Um, so 
The same way outside, the same way the machaper, the egla rufa that works outside the base of mitzvah is forbidden in benefit. The machshir, the birds of the mitzvah that purify, also are forbidden in benefit that work outside the base of mitzvah. Okay, itmar was taught. When do these birds become forbidden in benefit? From the time they're shechting. Well, you shecht one and you dip the other one, you know, like in, you know, you know, in the water and then in the blood and then you send it free. So, from the time you purchase them. From, from the time you shecht the bird. Now, um, now, by the way, I should mention that the bird that you send free is, when it gets sent free, is forbidden in benefit. Most Rishonim understand that um, this, and that the same way according to Rish Lakish, when it's the time you purchase, both are forbidden in benefit. And the bird that is, become, is sent free becomes permissible once it's sent free. The other one remains forbidden. For Reb Yochanan, the same is true. When you shecht the bird that you're shechting, both become forbidden in benefit. And then when you send the other one free, then that changes its status and it becomes free. So, but both of them are forbidden in benefit for a period of time. Rashi says that according to the idea that it goes by the shechita, only the one shechted is forbidden. The one sent free always remains, was never forbidden. Um, that does not fit with the simple language of the mission that says the birds of the Mitzvah. Okay? So we're going to assume that these birds are um, forbidden in benefit, even if the one sent free eventually becomes permissible. But it begins by being forbidden. And when is it? So Rabbi Yochanan says from the time the shechted one is shechted, and Rishwaki says from the time they're purchased. Rabbi Yochanan says, Shechita, Shechita, Huda Asrullah. The Shechita makes it forbidden. That's a little tautologist, okay? Um, or but maybe just pointing out, like, you know, just like, um, then you actually have done some ritual to it. Because we're learning it from Egla Rufa. We said before that you learned that it's forbidden in benefit from Egla Rufa. The same way the Egla Rufa is forbidden even when it's still alive. Even Tzipar Mitzvah are forbidden when they are still alive. And presumably we know that from the Egla Rufa because it's Mechaper, and like same way a Korban is forbidden when it's still alive. Okay, so, now the Gemara says, when does an Egla Rufa become forbidden? I heard that there's a certain point in the process, but I don't remember what is a significant point in the process. But the Chevra, uh, my colleagues, like the, you know, the guys in the base Medrash say, you read that it's the bringing it down to the Wadi that makes it forbidden. Okay, because the Torah says explicitly that you should bring it down to the Wadi. That is a concrete point in the process. And therefore, that is what gives it the status that makes it forbidden. Now, you will notice that that's not the same as the time it's purchased, which is what the Gemara is going to say. So the Gemara says, um, So let's be consistent then. If the Egla Rufa, which it's learned out from, is not forbidden from the time of purchase, let's say the same about the birds of the Mitzorah. So the Gemara says, no, that you can't say. There is a moment there. There is the bringing down to the wadi. That's a concrete moment mentioned in the Torah. So that doesn't exist by the birds. And as Rashi helpfully points out, not only does it not say by the birds, like you shall take the birds outside, you know, there's nothing comparable, but it does say by the birds that you shall, you shall purchase, you shall acquire. So therefore, each one has its own moment, but the moment is while it is still alive. Okay. Um, we have a brighter that teaches on this pasuk, eat every kosher bird. Um, this, this comes to teach you that when you send the bird free, the one you send free, it is permissible in benefit. 
Um, you know, it becomes permissible. This is what you shall not eat, the extra asher lotochlu. Lerabos esashchuta, the one you shecht, is, is forbidden in eating, and maybe presumably also hana'a. Well, not presumably, based on our Mishnah hana'a. Now, he said, why did this seems to say that after this says, this, this bright that teaches the basis that it's forbidden in benefit or eating from the word that it's, the, 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 by, by referring to it as the one that is shechted. But according to you, Eshlakish, why does it say the one, why, if it already was forbidden from the time it was purchased, its status begins before it was shechted. Why does it talk and say it's forbidden when it's shechted? So the Gemara says, um, no, yes, I needed to tell me that. I would have thought, Kodshim are forbidden when they're alive, and then Shechita comes and makes it permissible. That this remains forbidden even after you've done the avoda with it, you've done the ritual with it. So yes, but it didn't, that's not when it started, but it remains forbidden even after Shechita. I'll ask you again from a different, from a Mishnah. Shachta v'nimsa streifa. If it was shechted and found to be a treifa, this uh, the, you know one of the birds for the, the bird for the mitzvah. You can take a pair for the second one. You don't have to take two new ones. Farishona muteres and the first one that you shechted but was a treifa, like any treifa, it's mutter and hana'a. It does not have the status of the birds of a mitzvah because in the end it wasn't used. It was a treifa. Okay. Um, now, but if it was forbidden when it was still alive, so it was already forbidden before you shechted it. So if that's true, um, so then why do you have to tell me that it is... Um, um, Oh, excuse me, I jumped up. So, so then why is the first one permissible? It began, it's assuming that it became treifa only after it was shechted. Like in the act of shechting it, you made it a treifa. Um, or you found some type of a problem with it that you determined occurred only recently after it was purchased. So the Gemara says, but when it was purchased, it wasn't a treifa. And it says, Nimsa's treifa, something new happened. So since when it was purchased, it wasn't a treifa, and it was forbidden in Hana'a, that should remain even if the Shechita did not succeed. Um, so, Amalei Hachem Mayaskin Kogonchen Nimsis Treifa Bivneme Eha the Lokalek Dusha Klal No, it was a Treifa not with some type of a this is the way some we should have explained not with it was some type of a puncture or whatever which might have occurred after it was purchased. It was a Treifa that you found inside that it was missing some internal organ that it was born missing some internal organ and therefore you knew that it was never uh, fit to be used as the bird. Okay, so even though it's forbidden from the time of purchase, if it had become a trefa later, it would remain it would remain forbidden because from the time of purchase it got its status. But if from the time of purchase, once you shift it, you find out that even at the time of purchase it was missing, I don't know, a spleen, let's say, then um, I don't know if birds have spleens anyway, if you <laughs> if you found out that it was missing that all along, then it never became forbidden because even at the time of purchase it was a trefa. Okay. Um uh, okay, Ace, I'll ask you. Um, if you shechted it and you did not yet have, you know, the other uh, accoutrements there, you know, the piece of cedar and of the hyssop or whatever, and the red uh, uh, string. Since it was purchased, um, you know, and it's set aside for the mitzvah, its status remains. Um, no, it was shechted um, without the right 
you know, in a way that did not make it, the ritual wasn't appropriate. It was a, what the Gemara is going to call the Shechita Shein of Ru'uya. So since the Shechita didn't work, this never got its status and it's permissible. So the Gemara explains the debate. Um, the debate is a large debate in the, in Shas whether shchita which does not you know which is not fit and that might change based on the circumstances what fit means whether it counts as a shchita or not. So this shchita was ain't a ruya because it was done in the wrong way because of the other pieces which were necessary to make this the good ritual weren't there. So one holds that, you know, but the kuleyama miyamechaim lo mitzvah, but it's not forbidden from life, meaning, so here you have it, the, the way to explain this debate is, this bird is not yet forbidden in Hana'a, it doesn't have its status, the shechita is what's going to give it the status, but the shechita didn't work because it was, it had these other things, these other things were missing. So one is of the opinion that even though the shechita didn't work, it counts as the shechita to give it its status, so the Shechita still gives it its status and it's forbidden in Hana'ah, even if it can't be used. And the other one holds, no, since it didn't work, the Shechita doesn't give it its status. But clearly they both agree that it's the Shechita that gives it its status. And the question is, did that happen in this case? Okay, so that's against you, Reish Lakish. So Reish Lakish says, Tanayi, it's a debate of Tanayim, exactly what we said before. Um, if I'm going to have a Brita that learns this out from the idea of Egla Arufa, Therefore, as I said before, Egla Rufa is from Mechayim. This is also Mechayim. And I'm going to say, because I found a Tana, I'm going to claim that that is the position of Rabbi Shmelson. He learned it from Egla Rufa, it's Mechayim. And the fact that you found other Tanaim that say Shita, that doesn't have to bother me. Okay. Gufa. So these different psukim teach you that the one that you send out is free, is, is coach, can be eaten, and the one that you shecht is forbidden in benefit. The um, Epochana, maybe the reverse. Maybe the one you shecht is permissible, and the one you send out is forbidden. Um, when something is alive, it does not become asr behana'a. Things really become, now, could be asr behana'a while it's still living, or it doesn't become asr behana'a to make it forbidden once you shecht it. But things' status is usually applies when they're dead, not when they're still alive. Okay? Now, maski flor rab shmuel bar rab yitzchak, the low, is that really not, not the case? Farei, top of nunzayin amad bet, farei muktza v'nebad, tevali chayim linhu. How about something that is set aside for avodazara, or actually worship for avodazara? They're alive. Um, Assyrian, they're forbidden. Um, you can't use them for korbanos. What says no? Ki asri top of nunzayin mabet. Ki asri legavoa. That's only forbidden to use as korbanos. They don't become forbidden for a lay person. How about an animal that had an act of bestiality done to it, and there were witnesses? Because without witnesses, it doesn't change its status for a for for other than the base of mikdash. Okay, it also could have said a shorhan niskal. All of these are animals that you know are have to be stoned, and we taught in our mission they're forbidden. Okay, and they're forbidden, you know, even from the time of gemar din, even before they die. So the bali chayim the asiri, and they're forbidden. So so something can become forbidden in an while it's still alive. Yeah, but most of the time not. So we had to choose, one of them is permissible, one is forbidden. We'll assume that normally when something is alive, it doesn't get its forbidden status, only when it's dead. And that's why, okay. Um, 
You shall send it on the face of the field, the bird. It could be like a field. field is like it's the world. You can benefit from the world. This is also permissible. So the Gemara says, Can you say that's what Sada is teaching you? We need it like we taught in the Brisa. That you have to send it on, where there's a field. You can't stand in Yafo and send it out onto the Mediterranean, that it's not flying over a field. Or send a place that borders on the wilderness, and when you send it, you're sending it out to the wilderness. Don't be out of the city sending it into the city. Um, you have to be in a city sending it out of the city, and there has to be a field outside the city. Now, I should mention, Rashi quotes a pasuk by the bird, a bird that says, you shall send it out of the city you know, but that's about a house because a house is in the city when you're purifying a house. As Tosos asks, the actual Mitzora, this purification process happens outside a city. So if you read this Gemara literally, it sounds like you would actually have to say that you go ahead and after you dip it and whatever, you take the bird, you bring it back into a city and then you send it out city onto the field. That's not shot in the Pesukim at all. Maybe this idea of being in a city and sending it out is by a house. But either way, it's telling you you have to send it out onto a field. Literally, it's what it's telling you. Not to tell you that it's permissible and benefit. So... So the Gemara says, no. The extra hay, that's extra. I mean, Tartia tells you that it's also permissible. Rav says a simple answer. The Torah never says send in order to stumble over it. It would not send it out and then nobody would know which the bird was and then somebody might find it and eat it and not be any the wiser. Okay. Besar Nazir, the hair of a Nazir, Minal and Damakra, Kadoshia Gadel Parasarosho. Holy shall be the growth of his hair. So that's how you know it's forbidden in benefit. Gidulo ye Kadosh, the hair itself is holy. Ima Kodesh, Tofes is Dama of Yote Lahulin, maybe to be something holy, and therefore you can, if you sell it, the money becomes forbidden and the hair becomes not forbidden. So, and the mission makes it clear that the proceeds are okay, but it's the hair that's a problem. So it doesn't really work like something sanctified. Um, no, Kodesh Kadosh Karinan. So even though we're reading it Kodesh for the Drasha, it's like something holy, you know, it's that, and therefore it's forbidden in benefit. The word in the Torah is actually Kadosh. What's the difference? Rashi says it's between a noun and an adjective. Kadosh means the thing is holy. Kodesh means, you know, holiness. So therefore, the idea of holiness tells us it's like Kodesh, you know, and they're forbidden in benefit. But the kadosh as an adjective is descriptive of the thing itself. It's not a status that can be removed through being redeeming it and through money. It's a status, it's an adjective that adheres to the thing itself, so it does not change. Okay. In the uh, the uh, uh, you know the 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 animal the the the, um, uh, the firstborn of a donkey. Nema, um, which you don't redeem. Not like Rebbe Shimon. You can't derive benefit. Rebbe Shimon says you can derive benefit. So it seems clearly it's going like the position you can't derive benefit. No, this is after you broke its neck when you didn't redeem it with a sheep. And everybody would agree that it is forbidden in benefit. Basar B'chalav, meat and milk. Minalan, the town of the Bay Rabbi Shmuel, we're talking the house of Rabbi Shmuel, Los Vashel, Gedi, Bachalevi, Mo, Gimel Pami, it says it three times in the Torah, Echadisar, Hilo, Vechadisar, Anna, Vechadisar, Bishol, one to tell you the thing itself, don't cook it, one don't eat it, one don't derive benefit. 
Okay, Masnis into Loki. It's not like the Tana at the time. We talk about Pshim and Yehuda Omer. Baser bechala baser bechila muter bechana. You can derive benefit according to Pshim and Yehuda. Kenemar kiam kadosh atal Hashem alokachelos vashel gadi bechlevi mo. Don't eat, you know, don't cook me the milk. Well, Halan Omer, and then the next pasuk says, "Vante kodesh to you and Lee. You shall be a holy people to me." Basar basar detrefalo tochelu chavtashikunoto. And don't eat trefas. Throw it to the dog. It means you can derive benefit. So it's talking about a treif and deriving benefit and juxtaposing it to meat and milk. So. Um, the same way that is forbidden in better, forbidden to be eaten but can derive benefit. So it's juxtaposed to You can derive benefit. We do not rule that way. We rule it forbidden for benefit. Okay. that are shechted in the base of mikdash. This is the hardest because that's not really a clear pasuk anyway anywhere. You know what I So now we're going to get into the whole discussion of the nature of the prohibition of chulin shenishchadu bezara. I'm Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Meir. I'm a Torah Torah says shchot shecht my stuff in my place, your stuff in your place. Kachim have to be shechted in the base of Mikdash. It's clear you're forbidden to shecht Kachim outside the base of Mikdash. That's Shchute Chutz. So by parallel, Chulin have to be shechted outside, and you're not allowed to shech Chulin in the base of Mikdash. Um, the same way if you shecht kachim outside the base of mikdash, they're aser behana'a because they're kachim and they never became permissible. If you shecht chulin in the base of mikdash, they're aser behana'ah. So the Gemara says, one minute, maybe you should say you get kares for chulin bazara. If you don't bring a korban to the base of Mikdash and shecht it outside, you get kares. So a korban and kares on a korban, you get kares, a chulin shenichkot bazara and kares, not on chulin. Uh, that you shecht in the base of Mikdash. So the Gemara says, okay, if that's true, then you can challenge the analogy. When you shecht my thing in your zone outside the base of Mikdash, it's Asr Bihana, but you would get Kares. So therefore, but if you shecht your thing in my zone and you don't get Kares, how do you know it's Asr in benefit? El Rabbi Mehacha. Bai says from here. It says three times by Shlomim, you shall shecht it in the base of Mikdash. So it you shecht in the base of Mikdash and not Chulin. Why do you need three times? Plus a cry, you say, you say, you say, there's three extra psukim. That you, when it's distant from you, the base of Mikdash, you shall shecht. That's how you can eat meat outside the base of Mikdash. So from there, not just based on this analogy, from there we're going to learn that it's usher to shecht chulin in the base of Mikdash. When it's distant, you shecht. Okay? Only when you're far away, not when you're near. If you're in the base of Mikdash, you're not to be shechting chulin. Don't shecht them in the Azar. Now, if that's the only place you would learn it from, shecht when you're far away, not when you're close. I might have thought that that's talking about something that could be brought as a korban, because remember, when they were in the Midbar, they couldn't eat chulin, you know, basar tava. They could only eat meat as a korban. So it used to be, you have an animal, bring it as a korban. Now you're going to go into Eretz Yisrael, it'll be distant from you, you can have meat without bringing it as a korban. Okay? And, but that is... When you're bringing it, that's when you. It's it could be brought as a korban. It has to be, and it's not being brought. It has to be brought outside. Okay, since it could, but it's not. 
bring it outside, don't bring it in the base Hamikdash. How do I know to include something that has a blemish? Maybe a blemish, I could shecht in the base Hamikdash if it's not a korban. It's not an offense to the base Hamikdash because it doesn't have the possibility of being brought as a korban. Maybe that I could shecht. Um, I could have, okay, logically I would have included them because it's from the same type of thing that could be used as korban. How do I know to include even something like a deer that could be brought as a korban? How do I know that's a problem in the base of Mikdash? I could, I could include it because at least you do a shechita and it says in the Torah you shech the animals. So logically it's in the same category. How do I know to include birds? Birds are only shecht. One simon, it's not in the Torah. So that's why it says shecht it, it, it three times the shlamim. Only the shlamim, not chulin, not something that even if it doesn't have a mum, even, even if it has a mum, even if it's a chaya, even if it's a bird, only korbanos you shecht in the base of mikdash, not chulin. Maybe you shouldn't shecht it, but the meat would be mutter. When it's distant, you shecht and you eat. When you shecht something, the chulin, when you're doing it the right way, and you're far away, then you can eat. Okay, not what you're doing when you're near in the base of Mikdash. So basically, since it says you shecht chulin out of the base of Mikdash, from there we learn you don't do it in the base of Mikdash. And because of v'shachat, v'shachato, v'shachatoto, by shlomim, we learned that it applies to all types of things you shecht. And because it says when you're far away you eat, it means that if you shechted it in the base of Mikdash, you're not allowed to eat it. Now it goes through the same thing. Again, once now that we're coming and also saying not only you're not allowed to do it, but you're not allowed to eat it, the shchato 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 tells you it applies to all the different types of things, even with a mum, even a chaya, even a bird. You're not allowed to do it in the base of mikdash. If you do, you're not allowed to eat it. Maybe I could derive benefit. And that's where we learn that it's forbidden and that you are not allowed to derive benefit.